This podcast is made in association with DrunkMummySoberMummy.com and Cuppa.community, the free social network for the sober and sober curious. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Yeah, I was just, uh, saw Rannan outside. He's really got the shits today, badly. What, he's actually got the shits? Or he's in a bad mood? No, he's actually got the shits. He's got diarrhoea. Oh, <laughs> really? Don't go and use the toilet out the back. He's actually, he's moody. He's got the shits and got the shits. <laughs> it's like a double whammy. He's moody and he has a runny bottom. <laughs> it's not a good combo. I'm going to stay in here. Uh, yeah. I'm not going out. It's actually cold in the booth, isn't it, Lucy? Tonight? It is. Yeah, I've got my scarf on. It's winter in Australia. We are drinking non-alcohol beers. We are Probably not the, the best drinker. Yeah, freezing the cold, non-alcoholic <laughs> beers. We are actually having, believe it or not. Yeah. How are you, Lucy? Back from your holiday in England. Yes. We just had did have a quick chat with Alan about his last holiday, and the only thing he could tell us about it was that he got a fish hook stuck in his finger. Anything exciting happened to you, Lucy? Apart from the jubilee, of course. Uh, my dad's kitchen ceiling got a leak. Classic. Yeah. What a story that yeah. is, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you had a rage of a time. Yeah, I did. Had a wild time. Yeah. No, no, it was really nice over in England. So, uh, yeah, sorry to have missed the podcast for a few weeks, but I uh, had to do a quick trip back to see family, which was uh, mixed emotions. But, yeah, it was lovely to get back to Blighty. Um, as you said, it was a jubilee. Yep. So everyone was on holiday. There was a four-day holiday there. Nice. And there was lots of partying in the streets. Oh, wow. Yeah, they love a bit of partying in the streets in England. Was everyone wearing special hats? Um, there were the odd uh, Union Jack hats out there. Hankies yeah. on your head? I didn't see any hankies on heads. Oh, disappointing. But there were lots of... Long tables full of food yes. out in streets, down the middle of, the, of roads. And okay. yeah, lots of Union Jacks being waved around. And central London was quite spectacular with yeah. all the flags along Oxford Circus and Regent Street. Yeah, it would have so looked amazing. Felt quite proud to be Cucumber English. sandwiches and cups of tea. Yeah, scones. Oh, scones. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sausage rolls. Sausage rolls, yeah, yeah, crumbly ones. It was all going on over there, Vic. Pineapple and cheese on a stick. Didn't see any, but it was there, though. It was there. It would have been oh, there. Oh, it would have been there without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Love your good old classic English party foods. It was a really great time for an expat to go back, actually. Yeah, because you time. went back to this quintessential English. Yeah. Um, it was really lovely weather as well, yeah. so it was just great. Yeah, it was, it's 36 it was degrees good... there or something today, yeah. isn't it? 
isn't it? Hotter than here. And we're cold in our booth. Can you believe it? And we're in Australia. What the hell's going on there? Yeah. What have you been up to in my absence, Vic? Well, I had the flu. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're all fun and games tonight, aren't we? It's all going around. Alan's got the shits, you've got yeah, the flu. I've always got ailments of night. <laughs> apparently, um, people aren't getting the flu jab because they got the COVID jab and like, it's causing a right. big flu epidem- yes. epidemic here at the yeah. moment. So, yeah, I got that, which was nice. And my son got it and I was in bed moaning for about a week. Oh, yeah, glad I was away for that. Yeah, I actually I actually was going to send you a picture. I stuffed hankies up my nose mm. and just lied in bed like trying to breathe out of my mouth. I'm a bit worried about my mouth breathing. I breathe a lot out of my mouth and like I lie in bed at night breathing all germs in and probably spiders and flies crawling into my mouth and somebody told me the other day actually it's totally random fact but apparently if you breathe through your mouth more germs get in and actually your nose is designed to filter out the germs and you should like try not to breathe out of your mouth at night I don't know how true that is people don't go taping up your mouth or anything like that (laughs) but like as usual don't actually take anything we say as gospel because we don't know what we're talking about don't believe anything we say so do you always sleep with your mouth open or is that I'm like a sort of blue whale that's yeah, coming up for air. Interestingly enough, that was definitely a, a drinking thing, wasn't it? Yes. Like, uh, you know, when you've drunk too much. I used to get really blocked nose. I'd yeah. forgotten about it, Vic, actually. Yes. It just reminded me. Certainly near the end of my drinking days, I whenever I drank, my, my sinuses got blocked up. I don't yeah. know why that is. I'm sure no. there's a medical reason behind it. Yeah. And then I'd have a really dry mouth when I woke up in the morning. Yes, yeah, so like a leathery tongue. Yeah, just to add to all the other <laughs> awful things that <laughs> oh, were God. happening with a hangover. Yeah. The leathery man lying next to you that you've never seen before. <laughs> uh, and I don't think my breath would have tasted very nice. No, I'd have to get point. that water down your neck and it would actually yeah. like, yeah, sort you out. But yeah, <laughs> so I'm a mouth breather just in case anyone was wondering. Good to know. <laughs> Any of my fans. Good to know, Vic. <laughs> Got that one sorted nice and early. I mean, I expect uh, everyone's wondering though they might find out whether you breathe mostly through your nose or I your mouth. I fart through my arse and breathe through my mouth. <laughs> So today, what are we talking about, Lucy? Oh, I must say quickly, of course, that this podcast is proudly sponsored by Liars. They make simply the finest alcohol-free spirits the world has ever seen. Find out later in the show about their frequent sipper club. Yeah, but today we're talking about... Well, today our gift to you is a Sober Awkward Cravings toolbox. Those pesky moments in time, whether it's a few minutes or a few hours that make you feel powerless and helplessly overwhelmed by alcohol. We all know how that feels. Mm. Cravings to drink can be what make you feel anxious around booze and it feels like you're missing out. And I know we've covered this topic before, but we're coming to the end of series three and we just wanted to kind of hone in on these troublesome reminders of our past lives and understand them a little bit better and the science behind them and everything else in the hope of freeing you and us from their painful grip. The most top common two questions I hear in this sobriety realm are why do I get cravings and how can I stop them? Well, today we're going to try and find out and explore how doing just one thing perhaps could get you through. Yeah, like you've talked, you've said, Vic, that we have talked about it before and we do cover off on a lot of the same things when we talk about giving up alcohol. We often circle back to the same solutions and advice, but it's important to do that and keep going over these things. And we spoke about withdrawals, I think, last time I was on here. Yeah, we did, yeah. So talking about cravings might seem fairly similar, but they are different things. And um, it is worth, as Vic says, honing in 
on them because cravings happen to all us sober peeps at some point or another. Sure do. Generally, it's more often at the beginning of sobriety, but even several years in. You still get them, don't you, Vic? Yep, Four yep years not as bad. In. Yep, but I, can, I have my toolbox in place, Lucy. <laughs> Good to know. Rattling around next to me. Good to know. Yep. Um, and they pop up like a pustulous spot, one that won't pop or go away and gets infected when you squeeze it. I've got a few of those, Lucy, as well. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Do you want to tell us about it? <laughs> so I'll leave my postulous spots till next week. Uh, the overwhelming urge to drink can rear its ugly head like a garish gate crasher and have you seriously questioning not only whether you should neck a drink, but also whether your sober world is a little more precarious than you previously thought. Yes, it's all very well having long-term plans for sobriety, but what do you do in that crucial moment when the need to drink becomes so all-consuming you can't think straight and every thought you do have leads to a yearning desire to tip poison-infused liquid into your body? It really feels like a power larger than us sometimes, doesn't it, Lucy? Oh, God, it certainly does. It's, it's quite horrible. Um, and today we're going to take you through why when we feel so smugly sober, we can suddenly find ourselves rather unbecomingly panting for a pint or fantasising about a flaming Sambuca. Oh, yes. I was, <laughs> remember I used to wake up with that circular burn on my hand every oh, Sunday yes. morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't miss that, I'm don't sure. Don't miss that, no. Uh, we'll share our own experiences when we have been caught off guard, even when we thought we had this sober thing down to a fine art, which we do feel most of the time. Most of the time. Yes. Um, we'll also discuss why such strong cravings can make us feel so vulnerable, weak and a wee bit pathetic. Sometimes I feel those things. Yes. Um, I also want to do this podcast because I get a lot of emails from people all the time. Every day I answer everybody's emails and I get some that are good and some with questions and some that sometimes get offended by the things that we say on here. Not often, but occasionally. But a couple of people have mentioned the fact that they are disappointed with us, Lucy. Oh, gosh, that brings back memories of being at oh, school. Yeah. Or, or it brings back, for me, um, memories of being hungover, yes, actually, people yeah. being disappointed Basically in me. of our entire lives. <laughs> yeah. It really triggered us. You're a disappointment, Victoria. <laughs> I've definitely heard that before. Especially when we're trying so hard. I we know. still manage to disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> so a few people have been disappointed that we still get cravings um so i just wanted to address that very quickly and just say look me and lucy are human this podcast is about our sobriety journeys and how we honestly feel and the truth about what happens when you quit booze we're not here to be gurus to enlighten you although you know we'd like you to learn something from this podcast we're just two mums doing our best we are not here to tell you your sobriety is going to be totally perfect and also, we don't go to school, pick up, smiling on the back of glitter farting unicorns, do we, Lucy? I do sometimes, oh, okay, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was Depends just the whole size. That's how much on acid I've taken. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, Lucy's on acid. <laughs> <laughs> so she does go to school on a glitter farting unicorn. <laughs> we struggle like the rest of you. But we're here to tell you that the work, the tools, everything that we're going to talk about today, no matter how hard these things are, how confronting they are, they are worth it. Neither of us have given in to the cravings. So it just shows even though we do have them, we do not let them win. No, we don't. And we're just going to be honest and we're going to continue doing that because we think that's what helps the most. Yeah. But finally, uh, most importantly, in this podcast, we're going to share tactics to help you get through the cravings unscathed without putting a drink 
to your lips. Yeah, sometimes it is good to simplify it like yeah. that and say, look, I can do everything. I can worry. I can have all these feelings and emotions. All I have to do is not put a drink to my lips. Right. I, that was going to be my like finale point. Yeah. Vic, oh, sorry. Yeah. You've already said it. <laughs> oh, sorry. You can say something else. Do not put. No, a... that was it. You've ruined it. Oh well, we'll get round to that. Well, you can do... throughout the podcast. You can think of something new to say and then okay, surprise I'll me try at the end. Really hard. <laughs> and I'm gonna. I really want to be impressed. So you better think of something very, very funny. <laughs> I just want to start by reading something I read today on our lovely friend. William Porter's Alcohol Explained website. I just wanted to begin with this little lesson for us so we can try and get our head rounds what a craving is and also try to understand as we go through the podcast that what we're talking about is also called fantasizing about yeah. alcohol. This is a quote from Alcohol Explained. It says, Don't forget what a craving is. It is you fantasizing about how nice it would be to have a drink. It is a conscious thought process that you are going through. Above all, it's a fantasy, not reality. It is a highly romanticised, utterly distorted version of reality. A craving is simply thinking about the only good parts of something and exaggerating those good parts shamelessly. When you find yourself thinking about drinking, don't fantasise about it. Just think about the reality of it. Think about the actual reality of what would happen if you had a drink. If you think about this throughout the podcast, it might help you understand why your brain is telling you why you want to have a drink. So that fantasizing is something I, you know, that's what it is in that moment. You're you're thinking that a drink is going to be better than the actual moment that you're in. So therefore you create this, this craving that you want to have it. Yeah, you're seeing things through rose-tinted glasses. You're only seeing the good part of having a drink. Mm. It's very, very small, that good bit, it's isn't tiny. it? It's often about 20 minutes long yeah. before it starts going downhill. But the craving for that, that is what the craving's for, that 20 minutes of feeling good. But even in that 20 minutes of feeling good, Lucy, I recognise now yeah. that I, within myself, even in that 20 minutes of short euphoria... I was still thinking about the next drink. So I'm not totally mm. present and just thinking, oh, my God, I feel amazing. I'm actually just thinking about where the next drink is coming on, coming from and where I'm yes. going to get it from and, and everything else. So we sort of fantasise about that moment in itself as well, don't we? Well, you're not living in the moment when you're drinking ever, no, no, are you? no. Okay, let's start by going to the very heart of the matter, and that is why we get these cravings. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful, Vic, if they just fucked off never to return? I think a bouncer said that to me once. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off and never return. (laughs) I recognise that. You'd say it in a deeper voice. Here are the three reasons why cravings happen. We went and got these um, online from a reputable website. Yeah. The first one is changes in brain chemistry, okay, which is exactly that fantasy thing. Over time, alcohol use begins to affect the neurotransmitters or chemical messengers in your brain. These changes can lead to a tolerance or a need to drink more in order to feel the same effects. Yeah, so you're creating the addiction right Mm. there. They can also leave you more sensitive to alcohol's effects and raise your risk of withdrawal symptoms. When not drinking, you might begin to notice feelings of anxiety or other emotional distress, along with strong cravings for alcohol. So there you go, brain chemistry. Yeah, brain chemistry is a really interesting one there. And it's and we never consider the brain when we drink. Um, we don't consider, consider the damage that we've done to it and how we can hopefully reverse it. We've talked before about feeling brain dead with a hangover and you just know that you've done some damage and you hope it will all be okay the following day. But perhaps that damage is more long-term than we think. And I, I definitely feel that it is. Vic. I definitely feel I have more permanent damage than I originally thought. Yeah. 
thought. I, I think for me, a year and a half is is certainly nowhere near enough time for my brain to uh, have recouped and gone back to how wonderful it once was. Of course, mm. I had a really, really w- good working brain, Vic, at one yeah, point. Yeah, I don't know. I did, I promise. <laughs> I you could give me, I'm on proof. <laughs> I want to see some, some essays you wrote at school. Um, funnily enough, when I was at, um, in the UK, I was talking to my dad one evening. He is um, a retired flight engineer and is a really highly intelligent man. And he's mm. 84 and he's still so sharp and with it. And I asked him why I didn't inherit his intelligence. <laughs> um, and uh, it was quite funny because he just didn't say anything. Oh. <laughs> he said nothing. He chose, my chose my not cousin to was there at the same time. You know, he was meant to say, but of course you did, Lucy. Yeah. But uh, he didn't. The there was silence. just silence. Tumbleweed moment. He said it all. Um, but then I thought maybe... Maybe I did inherit his intelligence, but I just threw it away when I started drinking at the age of 14. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what happened. Mm. I mean, I'll never really know. I am your classic dizzy blonde. Mm. I really am. And I live my life now um, in a way where I am very pedantic about organisation. Yes. Everything has its place. And the only way I can operate is by being crazily anally organised to the point where the people who live with me and the people who know me well take the piss out of me. Mm. But that is where I have to live my life. I've had to put things in place to make up for the fact that my brain doesn't work as well as I need it to. Right. And I often wonder whether that is because of the damage that I've done to it. For example, I've been doing this for years, but when I have a shopping list you know, with loads of items on it, as you know, we do have when we go and shop for a family. I put symbols next to things. So, like, if I've got fruit and veg, oh, they have yes. a star. Yeah. Um, non-food items have an arrow. Chilled items have a triangle. Frozen have an F in a circle. Has anything got OCD ne- written next to it? <laughs> Funny chance. You see what I mean? Everyone takes a piss. <laughs> but it works. Yeah, well, I'm, I take the piss because I, I'm actually jealous because I am nothing like you. My life is total disorder because my brain doesn't like any sort of cleaning and my life's a mess. I just about get by with my nose above the water. I suppose your husband's very organised and on the case, whereas I don't have anyone to help me, so I have have to to be things in place. And I often think, these are really weird things that someone has to put in place. No one else really does it to the extreme that I do. Am I just naturally thick or did I kill all my... (laughs) I won't answer that question. My brain cells through drinking. Lucy, you're you're naturally thick. Thank you. (laughs) At least I now know what it is. But, you know, we'll never know the damage, really, will we, Vic? We'll never know how much damage that we've done to ourselves. He just reminded me of a story when I met this guy in New Zealand that I'd slept with a few times. And when we were drunk, it had been quite a nice, fun relationship. And then I one went of those. one of those, and then I went to play pool with him one day, and I realised I couldn't understand what was going on, but it was because we were sober, of course. And I remember saying to him, "Are you thick or shy?" <laughs> it didn't go down well. He didn't. And really... He said that when you were sober, and then I potted the black and fucked off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See you later, loser. <laughs> I can't imagine why you were single for yeah. so long, Vic. <laughs> yes, that's not God. Why is she acting like that? That's weird. Sober Vic. Actually, another day, you just reminded me of another date I went on. You're going to find this so weird, so it's totally unrelated. I, When the guy left in the morning, I was left in his house. He had gone to work. And as 
he wasn't there. I thought it'd be really funny. He had loads of posters on his wall and I took all the blue tack off and stuck it on the other side and turned them all around. So all his posters were facing inside. <laughs> oh, you were And I turned all the, all the ornaments around. I just thought it was really funny. He never spoke to me again either. <laughs> Do you know what? I think it was Ed Sheeran. I'm not joking. <laughs> you are I actually joking. think I went out with Ed, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, but I can't really remember it. But so I think he lived in Ed, Reading. If you're listening, this guy was called and Ed, and he looks this... exactly like Ed Sheeran. I think it was Ed Sheeran. Oh, he might be listening because he's sober. Oh, is he? Yeah, Ed oh, Sheeran's okay. sober. Yeah, oh, there you go. Hi, Did you Ed. Not know that? Sorry about turning your Hi, posters Ed. around. <laughs> Hi, Ed. Hi, Eddie. <laughs> he's going to be like, oh my god, it is. It's that girl. It may have been Ed Sheeran. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> did he sing to you? No, he did Strong have a guitar, guitar in his room, though. Yeah. Sorry, it's totally unrelated it to cravings, but there you go. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your brain in relation to alcohol, Vic. Well, my brain, I think my brain chemistry is... My set chemistry set still under my bed, never been used with some broken... Uh, what are those the glass things called? Test tubes. Test tubes, some glass test tubes, yeah. I think my brain has definitely been affected by alcohol, which in turn has probably made the fact that I still crave alcohol is why that happens probably, is because my brain isn't functioning right. Mm. It wants me to do the exact thing that I don't want to do. Yeah. So therefore it's definitely affected. I wonder if some of the things are caused by years of drinking, my neurotransmitters are broken, which makes me do stupid things, but it also tricks me into thinking I want to drink when I don't actually want to. So I've had a lot of brain blips, as you can imagine, over the years, probably sleeping with somebody who was probably Ed Sheeran. Is one of them. <laughs> um, things like overflowing the bath on a daily basis. I just forget it's on. Leaving jacket potatoes in the oven and cooking a completely different meal. I do that quite a lot. And then I go, oh, look, the next day there's some burnt jacket potatoes in the oven. Um, I forget to put the bananas in the banana bread quite often. I often put the dustpan and brush in the fridge, things like that. Brush my teeth with antiseptic the other day just because I'm just not concentrating. My brain's all over the place. Um, you just trying to get an alcohol hit. Yeah, yeah, just trying to get yeah, neck in the old uh, mouthwash. <laughs> Getting lost when driving in the car with Lucy because we're oh, distracted. Yeah. I can't do two things at time oh. because we are chatting like loonies and we just end up at dead ends laughing. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yes, we do, don't we? One thing I did... My dad had diarrhoea in the back of my car, my 84-year-old dad. And was this I, recent? Well, it was quite recent, yeah. Oh, gosh. He was in the back of the car and he had the shits. Sorry, Alan, if he's listening out the side of the booth right now. But he had the shits and he'd stuffed a newspaper down the back of his trousers. <laughs> and it was like this big panic because he didn't want to do a shit on the car. <laughs> and I was in total panic. And because I was just thinking, I've got to let him. I've got to let him into the house when I drive up and, and so he can run into the house and use the toilet. And because I was thinking that, I took my car keys out of the ignition while I was driving down the motorway. No way. Yes. I didn't even know you could do no, that. No, I didn't even know. And I, I was like, here's the keys. And I passed them to him in the back of the car. And I was driving down a motorway. Anyway, that's just my so, brain. But I don't understand how that could happen. I don't even understand it. Well, so the car was still going? still going, still going. I just managed to get them. He's like, what are you doing? And I handed them back to me and I put them in and carried on. That sounds a bit like teaching my daughter to <sighs> drive. We'll be in fourth gear and I'm like, go up into fifth, into fifth. And we're like going along the motorway. She goes into second. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, stressful. Oh, dear, yes. Anyway, he got in, he managed to use the toilet, the oh, newspaper. God, was, I, still, I read the newspaper afterwards. You did not. <laughs> Uh, the panic, things like that make my brain fail. I do know what you mean about the uh, forgetting to put things in food. I did once make a cheer seed pudding without the cheer seeds. Oh, yes. Easily Not done. Not really the Surely. same thing, is it? 
<laughs> I think it all happened. It's not so much to do with booze. I did get hit on the head with a cooking apple at a Michael Jackson concert once. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a cooking apple, was it? Yeah, it was massive. <laughs> not your average Granny no, Smith? it wasn't a Granny Smith, no. It was definitely a cooking... It was one of those kind of like was it aimed mutated at you, ones. <laughs> aimed at you personally? No, people just chucking stuff around us at Wembley Stadium, yeah. So I think I've had, got, had some issues since then. So it could not be, as you say, you, you're just thick. And I got hit on the head by a cooking apple. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with booze. Nothing to do with alcohol after all. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so all of those things, they show our brains are sometimes not working right. And it tells me to drink even though I don't. My neurotransmitters get all tangled. I think my brain also, when you're drinking, of course, Lucy, it never has time to evolve. And, you know, you get kind of stunted in your your growth, in your life, because in every area, because of alcohol. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Another reason is habit formation. Um, And this is a really good one, I think. Um, It's once again about the brain, back to the brain. Uh, People often begin to use alcohol regularly because drinking leads to positive feelings or helps improve their mood. For example, a drink after an unpleasant fight with your partner might help you to feel calmer, might help you to like them again. Um, A drink after a challenging day at work might help you relax. Or the classic, a drink at a party might help you talk to people more easily. The pleasant euphoria you experience when drinking becomes a reward, one that reinforces your desire to drink in certain situations. You might eventually start craving that reward in new situations. Agree, Vic? Yeah, well, I just think, you know, the habits are ingrained. So therefore, of course, once you experience that euphoria, you're going to want to experience it again until you get to the point you you don't know how to act without that high and without creating those sort of environmental associations with that high. Mm. So you want to go to the places where you feel like that. And then as soon as you're out of those situations without a drink, you feel awkward, you feel sober, awkward because you're used to feeling a certain way yeah, in those in I those agree. environments. You know, things like wine at dinner parties, beer at festivals, pims at Henley Regatta, Bloody Marys over Sunday lunch. I mean, even cocktails when I felt like regurgitating the lining of my stomach onto a pavement. I still thought that was normal and I thought that was good because my habit was so far gone, mm. I couldn't see outside of it. And that's exactly the habit formation that we're talking about here. Is my brain evolved in a way whereas I taught it that it wanted alcohol to have fun. You know, even events, everything like new relationships, football wins, days off work, the Jubilee, for example, yeah. those are real drinking events. <laughs> the opening of an envelope, not having crabs, I put there as a celebration. <laughs> what was that after you opened the envelope? Yeah, the envelope yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've not got crabs. I've got a letter from the doctor. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, so my mind still takes me to those things, which of course is my brain saying, (laughs) we want to take you back there. We want to feel that euphoria like a drug high. I mean, I used to take a lot of ecstasy and cocaine in my um, early 20s, very early 20s, actually never took a drug after my 23rd birthday. But I still crave those highs sometimes. Um, and so learning to not have cravings and to have the more content sober life 
is what makes it hard. Yeah, I often wonder if we never allowed ourselves to reach these highs in the first place, would we still crave them? No, I don't think we would. Yeah, like if we didn't know what they were and what they felt like, how could we crave them? Life would be much easier if we didn't like that brief sort of feeling of drinking, Mm. you know, when you have your first drink or if you've never experienced coming up on drugs and you're not always chasing that high. And instead, the bar would be much lower and you'd feel euphoric from simpler things like eating an ice cream or having sex. But for us, the bar is so much higher and we're always chasing that. So those lucky people who perhaps never have sort of really drunk very much or never have taken any drugs... I guess life is just easier for them. I, I think guess we're so, always yeah. going to be... They're going to be more content. Yeah, yeah, they will be. Um, this habit one is really interesting because um, when I was in the UK, I hired a car, Vic, and the indicators were on a different side. Yeah. So I headed out with my cousin in this car into the onto the Watford Ring Road. Oh, it yeah. It was crazy busy, all one-way traffic, all these different lanes trying yes. to work out what to do, with the windscreen wipers frantically oh, going on a day when it wasn't raining. And it was like, oh, my God, turn off the windscreen wipers. Oh, God, what side's it on? Oh, God, surprised you didn't but, crash. <laughs> yes, I am too. Gosh. But uh, by the end of the two weeks um, mm. in England with my hire, car I'd got used to what side the indicators were on so I come back here to Australia and I get in my car which I've Mm. had for 10 years yeah (laughs) I've been back from England now for how long for about a week yeah and I am still faffing around (laughs) with the indicators but it's really interesting because I had my car I've had it for 10 years I went off for two weeks Mm. and still I'm struggling to get back into the rhythm of a car that I've had for 10 years. So it goes to show that if you've been drinking for 25 years and your brain has been taught to drink and to enjoy drink and to crave drink, then if you stop for one year, it's not going to change things very much. No. Habit is just so strong, isn't it? It's It's so so deeply ingrained. So deep. So... That is why even four years or 10 years into sobriety, you might be sitting watching the sunset and think, oh, I really bloody want a glass of wine. Yeah. That's a craving and it will keep coming. And it will keep coming. And what we're trying to going to push to you today and try and influence you with is to accept that that is going to be part of your sobriety journey. Accept yes. it and expect it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So triggers. Craving often happen as an automatic response to a trigger, which could be a memory of something associated with alcohol or an emotionation. Sorry, uh, an emotion. An emotionation. An emotionation (laughs) across the nation. (laughs) (laughs) I like that word. Emotionation. Emotionation. It's like a rave. Lose control. Let's get motherfucking out of control. Such a stress. Most people who experience cravings notice a mix of internal and external triggers, which we have talked about before. Internal triggers typically involve memories, thoughts, emotions or physical sensations that prompt the urge to drink, such as sadness, anxiety, anger and physical pain. While external triggers refer to the environmental cues you link to alcohol, including places, times, people and situations. Yeah, I mean, when you read that, Vic, I think immediately house music for yeah. Vic. That's Vic's problem. And yeah. mine is Downton Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That sums us up that's right there. Our triggers. Yeah. Um, but they do become less and less, I find, um, the further I get into sobriety, thankfully, um, because we've so carefully built our sober worlds really to avoid those triggers. Yeah. Um, and the danger really is when we set, step outside of those worlds. So when we go on holiday, mm. we've talked about this before, into a new environment, as you were saying, external and internal triggers both play a, play a part. And to be fair, 
nearly two years. I think I can say that really can't I now, Vic, nearly mm. two years yep. in sobriety. I do stay home because it's safer. Yeah. Because I can avoid triggers. Not because I feel I'll give in. I just can't be bothered with them. Yeah, fair enough. Because you just want to feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. So I do. My life revolves a lot more around my home and my kids and places where I won't get triggered. Uh, interestingly, jet lag was a really big one for yeah. me. Uh, when I came back from the UK, I suffered quite badly, just about a day and a half. Yeah, it's like a hangover, isn't it? A bit. It is like mm. a hangover. And I think I've always would have gotten, gone and bought a bottle of red wine yes. to see me through that. Numbed it out a yeah. bit. Yeah, and it would definitely help at the time. Time, but of course, then you're still jet lagged and you're hungover. Yeah, you haven't helped yourself at all. Oh, and then you've probably got anxiety on top of it. Yeah, by then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, th- there you go. So that's interesting because I haven't been jet lagged for ages because I've been in Australia. I haven't been anywhere mm. because of COVID. Mm. Um, and then you travel overseas and you're jet lagged, and suddenly, bang, there you go. There's a trigger. That's a craving. So they just keep coming. If you make changes in your life, they're more likely to. But don't. Don't sort of sit back and think, oh, I'm not going to get cravings anymore. I mean, yeah. you might not, and that is great. Yeah, amazing if you don't. Yeah, yeah, but be prepared that they are going to come and probably when you least expect them. And you're fantasising there. I'm just going to pinpoint it as where you're fantasising in that moment when you've got jet lag. You are fantasising that a drink is going to make you feel better. So exactly. that's why we're relating this cravings and this fantasising. It is one thing because in that moment of the craving, you think alcohol is going to save the day. And of course, it doesn't. No. Well, you might feel that it does short term. Yes, short term. You might do because if you have a drink, if you feel that awful tiredness that jet lag brings yeah. and you have a drink for a very short period of time, very you might short. think, oh, right, this is working. But then, of course, you have another drink. Yeah, and you can't control it. You're a problem drinker like Lucy and I. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it. Um, so same as you, Lucy, my things are. When I'm surrounded by alcohol in a bar or anything like that, I do feel a bit anxious um, and that creates a trigger and makes me think, oh, why can they do it and I can't, maybe I should just have one. Um, Reggae music, sunsets, all of those things. TV shows, people drinking on TV shows. I was watching Peaky Blinders this week. I saw you'd written this down, Vicky. Yes, Peaky Blinders. I didn't know this had happened. Yeah, Tommy Shelby in Series 6, which is just out, is they're releasing an episode a week. He is now sober and he's really talking about it and really how he's changed his life. And it's the first time I've seen a real kind of aggressive character like that who's really powerful and it's, all, it's been all about the whiskey before and it's yes, all been all about the drink much so, and the yeah. brother is a opium addict in it as well so they've got these really strong addiction themes in it which I'm really enjoying um, and he's a very stringent sober person in it I wonder how it's going to progress throughout the series but it's really great to see us sober people being yeah. represented on a show like that I thoroughly enjoyed that that's so interesting I'm still trying to work out if I fancy Tommy Shelby or I not I think I do yeah I, I think Funny one, him. isn't it? He's very feminine looking, but I think but it's he's, that powerful yes. thing. There's and something about him. Yeah, but he's beautiful, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's like a picture. That's why I love that show because every shot is like the best photograph you've ever seen. Yes. The cinematography. It's very in well that. done, isn't it's it? Beautiful. It's like going to the theatre almost yeah. watching it. Yeah, it's got really dark colours, hasn't yeah, it? It's I do amazing. find it a little bit violent. It's very I don't violent. Like the violence. Yes. Yeah, I have to close my eyes at mm. some point. <laughs> Hide behind the sofa. <laughs> yes, I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hammocks are a trigger for me because oh, really? I. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> for no reason. I just don't no like them. Idea don't like look at them. <laughs> no, that's weird. Yes, and wooden, no, wooden no, spoons. Sorry, <laughs> wooden spoons and buttons. <laughs> it's a really random, random. trigger, guys. Yeah. So that's not true. So hammocks aren't a trigger for you. <laughs> they are. Why? They are because I used to sit and have a beer in a hammock. 
Mm. That was my place to sit, relax, you know, on a holiday yeah. and have a mm. beer and a hammock. So, yeah. And wooden spoons. <laughs> Tell us about the wooden no, spoons, Luke. No, nothing. <laughs> and the buttons? Yes. Weird. Sorry. <laughs> places I used to live. So if I go to places where I was a big drinker, I want to drink in those situations. Even countries. I wouldn't go to India again because I got so drunk there on coconut wine. I just feel like really? I Really? Would... So you actually wouldn't go back to India because of that one incident? I just had a really shit experience in India. I was with a boyfriend that was horrible to me and it just made the whole thing shit. So I just drank to take it away and all my memories of India are just me being drunk with this horrible guy and just hating every minute of it. Right. So I just have a real connotation with India. India is a trigger for me, unfortunately. Plenty Even though other... I love the country, yeah, but lots it was of other amazing. you can go instead, yes, isn't there? Exactly. I will go there again. I need to get over it. But yeah. Sri Lanka you might have... be a gentle way to get yes. back in. Yes. I mean, you have you create these connotations in your brain. It's a problem. You do, yeah. Yeah, but I shouldn't do. But it's just, you wouldn't go back to somewhere where you've had a really bad experience. It's the same as alcohol. You don't want to go back there because you've had a bad experience. It's the same thing we're and talking about. why put about. yourself through it? Why put yourself through it? I always also have this fantasizing thing where I talk about my halcyon days of drinking, which is my my rave days, my pub days, you know, these festival days. When I think about those days, I think happy thoughts. They're good memories, you know, growing up and, you know, learning, coming of age and doing all of those things that you did in those times when you were young. Yeah, before I entered the blackout and slept with a stranger, mm. of course. But those alcohol fantasies that I have now about those times, I know they're not a reality, but I do fantasise about them and that is quite triggery. So when I think of a happy memory from the past, like me standing on a podium with an e-mask yeah. <laughs> doing big fish, little fish dancing, I do have like a happy memory of yeah. that. And that's, of course, a little bit of a trigger because it makes me feel like perhaps I could do that again. And of course I couldn't. Well, you're just pinpointing certain memories. It's those rose-tinted glasses yep. that we were talking about earlier. I, I think um, it's really important to play it forward. I mean, I know you say about doing sobri in sobriety, playing it forward when you want to have a drink, think about what will happen. But also when you're thinking about those halcyon days, and I know what you mean, Vic. Yeah. I think about the nineteen, uh, the 90s clubbing 1970s, era. 1970s, when you were growing up as a teenager. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The 90s clubbing yes. era. Yeah. Now, they were my halcyon days. And yeah, they, they were really, really happy days. Mm. Um, now, funnily enough, they didn't really involve very much alcohol. Mm. And I do think of happy times when I was drinking but they really are just pinpoints in the night yeah. to all the other things that also went wrong that night and yes, how I yes. felt the following day yeah, so just thinking about the good times yeah. like when your favourite tune came on and you just peaked and you were like this is this is where I want to be I'm with my tribe everyone's like me we're all crazy nutters getting off our heads at a rave and we're yeah. all going crazy and this is brilliant but then of course I had aftermath of that <laughs> then you've got to get home and you've got to get home <laughs> yeah in your Morris that, Minor. That in itself. Yeah, that in itself was hard enough. <laughs> Gurning at policemen. Walking walking uh, to the London tube stations oh. while everyone's in their suits going to work at six in the With morning. With beanies on and blotchy faces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, happy days. Happy days, happy days. One way to stave cravings, of course, is to have an alcohol-free alternative. As you guys know, liars sponsor this podcast they have an amazing new loyalty club the frequent sippers club and it's free to join and there are many ways for you to gather points and get great discounts and we love a discount don't we lucy yeah, we do. This is really good, actually. So you can gain points in lots of different ways. You can get 50 extra points for leaving a review. 
25 points if you sign up to their newsletter, 100 points if you purchase two bottles, and there's loads more ways you can get your hands on a bottle of Liars. Uh, Redeeming your hard-earned points is easy. Simply apply your points for a discount at the checkout. 100 points equals $10. You even get points for your birthday and anniversary. Yes, perfect. So what if we're not married? Oh, you don't get one. You just get one on your birthday. Everyone well, I'm gonna, else is going to make a complaint. More important to you <laughs> than make you. a complaint. Yeah, uh, it's your French birthday, your anniversaire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm celebrating my relationship with myself. Yeah, with Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Signing up is a doddle. Create an account by going to the Liars website, liars.com.au or liars.com or liars.co.uk. It's available on all their websites. Enter your name, email address and password to start your frequent Sippers account. All the links are in the show notes. Liars, simply the finest alcohol-free spirits the world has ever seen. And I love that, frequent Sippers. Frequent Sippers, yeah. They've got some good lingo on their website, actually. Yeah, they are cool. Bored, um, wasted, being wasted. Wasted so much time being wasted. Just I love all those little kind of sober slogans. Yeah. And they've got some really good branding as well. It's nice just having a look at all the pretty stuff. And John's (laughs) mum arrived from England and bought my free bottle of liars that I ordered because I got the freebie. I sent (laughs) it to her house. (laughs) She she brought it all the way over. She brought it over on the plane for me. I could have just gone down the shop. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Funny. That's a good mother-in-law. It for is, you. yeah. Look, so now that we're clear on why triggers come a knocking, let's delve a little deeper into the sheer horror of them. Yes, the sheer horror. <laughs> Hurrah! And how they actually make us feel. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to hmm. be a really nice conversation. How do they make you feel loose? Um, well, at the beginning, craving was almost physical. I felt like I needed someone to lock the doors to prevent me getting out the house and down to the bottle shop. I yep. certainly couldn't have a home with drink in it. I think I could now. In fact, I do think I've got some beers in the fridge at the moment. Okay. Uh, there you go. Look at that. Yeah, that's I progress. haven't even really thought about okay, it. Okay, that's good. Because I know be near it. there's a couple of alcohol-free ones in there, but I think I, I looked in there when I came back from me and I thought, oh, I think they've got alcohol in and I haven't even, I haven't fixated on it. Okay, that's I'd good. I'd forgotten about it up mm. until saying this. So, yeah, there you go. Progress. We sometimes don't realise we're making it, but we are. Yeah. I do feel a bit annoyed uh, when I get cravings yeah. now, because fair I, enough. Yeah, I'm like, oh God, really? What? After all this time, I, I don't want to have a craving. Like the jet lag, had a few cravings over in the UK. Talking about Christmas because I'm going back to the UK for Christmas, and I immediately feel cravings coming on Bailey's, already. Yeah, yeah. about Bailey's. Oh, oh God, a game yeah. of Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Yep. How do you have a game of Trivial Pursuit at Christmas without a Bailey? You tell me. Yeah, I've done it. Know. Don't worry, I've done it. I've done oh, it five it's years in a row. Then. It's possible, yeah. Lucy. It's just, yeah, they do keep coming. And and as well as I'm feeling, you know, really quite uncomfortable because you're wanting something you can't have, it is annoying. Um, you know, I hate the way that they can ruin things like Christmas. Hmm. Um, it actually feels as if they're actually taking over your life and changing the way that you want to live things. Does it make you feel like when you were told that Santa wasn't real? Is it the same sort of feeling? Yeah, Yeah, that's terrible. It is. Well, it takes away the fun of what was Christmas. Now, I don't have to think about it for long to realise that that's just a fantasy. It's the fantasy again. Mm. I don't have to think about it for long. But the initial thought, the craving, Mm. that is a craving, isn't it, Vic? That feeling of I really need to have a drink when I'm doing this, whether that's now or whether when you're arranging something for in the future. But you just have to think about it and you have to put your tools in place to make it go away. 
they make you feel quite weak. Mm. I mean, we talked about them making you feel a little Especially if you pathetic. give in to them, of course. Of course. Because then that's yeah. where the shame comes from, is that you feel weak because you gave in to the fantasy and the craving. Yeah, of course. But you're not weak because no. we've already talked about the things that are actually happening within our bodies With and brain. our brains. They're yeah. physical things that we're up against here. You're not weak. You're incredibly strong mm. for not giving in to them all the time. And if you do give in to one, and we've talked about this before, with withdrawals, which is sort of that next step when you have a craving and you do give in to it. Yep. You know, there are so many things that you can do to get back on track. So have a listen to that episode if that's you and you have given in to a craving lately. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of feeling weak, I tend to think that it's as if all the years of sobriety that I've put all this effort into, it's as though they, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, and as if I haven't created anything special. Like yes. when I feel strong in my sobriety, I'm like, what I've done is amazing. I'm really powerful. Mm. You know, I've achieved so much. And then when you're sitting there, sitting on your hands, thinking, God, I desperately want a red wine. Yeah. You wonder whether it was all worth it. But mm. it is because you don't have that wine. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, I read something this week that um, a craving is actually a similar feeling to heightened arousal and your 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 heart so we're talking about the brain but also your heart reacts and it makes a depressed heart rate so your heart actually slows down um, when you have a craving because it's kind of that feeling of need a bit like when I want a limp ball Lucy or oh, when yes, I'm desperately craving say. not to have sex <laughs> I don't know if I feel aroused or yeah. craving. I'm aroused I now. I can't remember the last time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just talking about a lint ball. <laughs> can't remember the last time I felt aroused about anything. Yeah, but apparently it's like a rising emotion that needs attention. That's what it is. That's the fantasy, is that emotion arises within you and you need to fulfil it in some way and you have to work out ways of mm. not doing that. Interesting. Yeah, so it's a funny one, really. I mean, when I gave up, I knew it was forever because I've been so mentally unwell and I knew that I would never have a drink again. But still, that doesn't stop my brain melting occasionally. The problem is, when you give up drinking, is you can't fucking avoid it, can you, Lucy? No. Like that's, it's not like giving up heroin and moving to a different town and never seeing your dealer again. You see it everywhere. It's all around yeah. you, everywhere you go. You've just made me, made me think of something, if yes, I can interrupt. Um, when I was on the plane... Mm. Breakfast trolley, breakfast trolley, yeah, coming along, rattling with away, spirits on it, God. and people drinking them. Well, you can't avoid it. That's exactly someone walking right next to you. It was like our hotel in Brisbane when we mm. went with the cocktail set set up in our room. It's very difficult when you give up something and then it's being shoved down your throat twenty four seven. That's what it feels yeah. like sometimes, and that is hard not. To trigger you, yeah, because it's everywhere and everyone's doing it, and everyone's smiling in the bar on TV or wherever it is you see it. It's bloody everywhere. It's like they're teasing you. It is. It's like this horrible taunting, like out of a horror yeah, film. It is. Come on, come and join <laughs> us. <laughs> Drink with us. It's okay. One won't hurt. Yeah. And it's all. It's like a horrible Have just ghost. One. Have just one. The wine witch <laughs> talking to me all the time. You can't avoid it. So you're you're being triggered, even if you are the most confident person in your sobriety. You've been sober for ten years. You're loving every minute of it. That is still going to happen. You can't avoid it. Yeah. I have to admit, though, Lucy, my cravings are rare, but I still do have them. 
Um, I manage with my toolbox that we're going to discuss is, you know, I can head them off at the past because I know what they are. I know they're a fantasy. And a lot of it is about educating yourself about that fantasy and understanding it and, and realizing what it is and, and accepting it. I recognize that it's the old me talking. It's the old me. It's mm. not the person I am now that's saying you should have a drink or you can have a drink. It's it's that crazy party girl that yeah. I was in my past. And now I'm capable of separating those two people and saying, like, that was the you then and this is the you now and you don't do that anymore. I can stamp it out and it's my job to stamp it out and I try and stamp it out for as many people as I can. But things like annoying children that haven't brushed their teeth and won't sleep, that annoys me, makes me feel triggered. And then I don't sleep because I get a worse mood. There's always like 10 people in my bed every night, not a dog. Oh, and lucky you. Yeah, no, they're, you, they're not fun people. It's <laughs> crying and having nightmares and all sorts of things. They're not fun people. And one of the things that really triggers me, Lucy, which we have mentioned on here before, but I wanted to go a little deeper into is hormones. We've mentioned both of us that in our drinking days that we both always drank heavily, not realising it on the day that we were due to start our periods. And we were always really, really hung over on the day that it came. So being premenstrual, I had to look this up because a lot of people have mentioned it on Cuppa and I get a lot of mentions of it on my Drunk Mummy Sober Mummy Facebook group of women wondering whether their hormones have anything to do with their drinking. So I'm just going to read you a little bit about what I found out about that this week. Hormones act as a chemical messenger to control and coordinate the functions of the body's tissues and organs. When the hormone system is working properly, the exact amount of hormone is released at exactly the right time, and the tissues of the body accurately respond to those messages. Research with laboratory animals has also revealed that alcohol's impact on hormonal pathways can influence... Are you ready for this, Lucy? Yep. Alcohol-seeking behaviour. Oh, wow. Hormones actually make you want to drink. When alcohol interferes with the hormone system, it can affect blood sugar levels, impair reproductive functions, interfere with calcium, metabolism and bone structure, affect hunger and digestion and increase the risk of osteoporosis and create that alcohol-seeking behaviour. And what is alcohol-seeking behaviour, Lucy? Cravings. Exactly. When we withdraw from alcohol or have cravings, the suppression of certain neurochemicals will make the brain demand more alcohol so it can reach homeostasis. It is a normal state of functioning. More simply, our brains begin to regulate themselves without alcohol. Without it, the brain makes chemical demands and requests for alcohol. <laughs> I like that, requests for alcohol. Isn't that mental? So it's yeah. actually not your fault. It is your hormones. Yeah. You are going to seek out alcohol more if you are a drinker when you are feeling hormonal. Yeah. But even if it's not your fault, you still have control. You still have to take responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So hormones create alcohol-seeking behaviour. Your body and mind push you towards a drink just because you are used to it. Exactly. Which is amazing. It is incredible. I was really fascinated to read that today. So I hope that helps some of you understand that because, you know, that is quite incredible. We've also cleared up a lot on the subject of cravings and can conclude that one thing for certain... They are shit, but they also are bloody dangerous because if we don't manage our cravings, we might end up at square one on our sobriety journey before we can say have a cuppa instead. So now we're going to talk about what you can do to stop cravings in their tracks. Kick the wine witch in the fanny and put a spell on her. I added that bit, Lucy. Wine witch. Kick the wine witch in the fanny. (laughs) 
just because I knew it would make you laugh. I, I, I actually put that in there as a joke, and then it. I read the wrong bit because I know I, you know I like adding uh, naughty words. I, I thought you'd gone off script, dear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here are the tools you can add to your books to your your book. Or your, your box. Your box. Your fannies and boxes. <laughs> oh, I don't know where we're going with this. Here are the tools you can add to your fanny that will ensure they pass without too much trouble. <laughs> or your willy. Yeah. No, to your box, your toolbox. Going box. either. Yes. Well, I actually did a blog uh, which is on Cuppa, which went on Cuppa in the very early days. Yes, and I'll um, put it in the show notes for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, do, because um, my blog was really about instant distractions to stop you drinking. And I think that's really important because cravings are a moment in time. Yeah. And they might be over in a couple of minutes. You hope they will be. Um, but uh, just some of the things that I put in there is if you are feeling severely tempted to have a drink, mm. Shove something else in your mouth instead. Yeah. A fanny or a willy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I might have to edit that bit out. I was kind of thinking a chocolate biscuit. Oh, okay. That's where we differ then. <laughs> ice cream. It was only because of the witch's fanny, that's cup why. Of, cup of tea? <laughs> yeah, a cup of tea will do. <laughs> could it be as simple as a cup it of tea? It could be, yes. It, I think it, <clears throat> listeners, definitely listen to Lucy, <laughs> not me. I'm just joking. But... The reality is, as long as it's not illegal, put something else in your mouth, yes. as long as it's not alcohol. Yeah. Um, escape uh, was one. So if you're in a situation where you are feeling triggered by your surroundings, or even if that trigger is an internal trigger, like we talked about at the beginning, yep. which is being brought on by anxiety or by a feeling of feeling good and wanting a drink to enjoy the moment move away from where you are to mm. somewhere where else escape get out of the place where you are because your thought pattern will change then it can be as simple as just <laughs> I don't know if I can even read this doing with the something mood else with your hands because <laughs> I know what you're like at the moment I don't know what you're going to come no, out I'm going to keep quiet I was thinking of something like knitting as everybody knows I okay uh, yeah I wasn't yeah. thinking the same thing <laughs> no, I didn't think you would be um, and people will know that knitting saved me in fact on the plane I'm sorry I keep going back to my plane stories lady next to me on the plane was knitting Oh, well, like, a young girl actually. Well, twenty eight. Oh, we had a chat about it. Did we had a chat about knitting? You would have loved it. There's sobriety at you, its best, right there. <laughs> you wish you were there. I know you love my knitting. Yeah. But yeah, do something else with your, your hands. You hear about people getting all crafty. Yes, definitely. Um, lots of cra- there's actually a craft group on Cuppa with people sharing their great. new crafts that they've been learning. Yeah, yeah, because even the least crafty of people, such as myself. Mm get pleasure from um, crafts, um, from just doing from something. Yeah, well, yeah. just, just it's, it's a repetitiveness. Instead of holding onto a glass and picking it up yeah. and putting it to your lips and taking a sip all night long, over and over and over again, it's just doing something else repetitive with your hands. And also I wonder if there's something in, there's a result from it, whereas we drank to get pissed. Whereas with knitting, you you create something from nothing. Whereas the same with alcohol, we created something. We created our change in behaviour and us perhaps feeling more euphoric or until we, you know, were sick or whatever. But there's something to be said with craft is that you create something with your hands and you have something to show for it. Whereas alcohol, we didn't really have anything to show for it. it. So it's a different way of us showing, look, look, we're more functional now. We can do stuff and look, here we go. Look what I've created. A very, very long knitted item. Yeah. (laughs) Like like Doctor Who's scarf. Yes, because I can't do anything other than knit in a straight line. Yeah, but your, your scarves are lovely. Well, thanks, Vic. That's okay. 
Um, oh, it's winter, so you hopefully I'll see you. Yes, I've been wearing soon. it every day. Oh yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, just connect with someone sober. Always have a sober friend, or get onto something like Cuppa or Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, or any kind of sober group, and talk to other sober people. Tell them, say help, help. Yes, I've help got me. craving. I I'm need in a help. moment. Talk I'm in the me. moment. Yeah, yeah, and the people will help you. Write it down. Mm. Write down how you feel because you'll really appreciate reading that next time you have a craving. Definitely. Play it forward, Vix one. Yeah, it might be nice to have a drink. You're going to feel good for how long? 20 minutes max, and then you're going to have another drink, and it is downhill from there. We promise you. Um, can I just add there, there was a discussion on uh, my Facebook group this week, um, people asking if you were going to get a sobriety tattoo, what would you get? And my one was play it forward. Yes. yes. What, would you get a cassette tape? Yes, cassette tape with play it forward, yeah. Oh, that would be good. Quite a good one, wouldn't it? Yeah, I yeah. can't think of it. I'll let you know. I'll have a little mm. think of what I might well, have. You could get knob on your head. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah, yeah. but like a felt tip pen. Or wanker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would work. Um Take it one minute at a time, literally one minute at a time. Yeah, Sometimes even 10 seconds at yeah. a time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sometimes cravings are so bloody strong that you honestly don't think you'll make it through. Yeah. So just sit there. I did that last Christmas yep, when I, I was craving. Yep. I was listening to the party up the road. I could hear everyone having what sounded like a great time. I'm sure it wasn't later on. And I just put myself to the test with one of my toolbox ideas, which was one minute, two minutes, three minutes, half an hour's gone, an hour's gone. And eventually I felt better. Yep. Jump up and down, do some exercise, get up and do some star jumps, go out, have a run, go swimming, jump in the sea. I don't know, but do something, move around. Yep. Because you do feel better if you do exercise. Be prepared for them expect to have them so know they're going to come and when they come don't beat yourself up about them just think here we go it's a bit like a contraction when you're giving birth yep um just not see quite it as through painful. Yep. not quite as painful well depending well, on know, how yeah. far through you are <laughs> yeah. um and last of all and this is what what you said right at the beginning Vic was was simplify it you know all you've got to do is one thing and that is not to put an alcoholic drink to your lips yeah that one thing if you can not do that one thing, then you're going to see it through yeah, and you're, you're going to win. Get it through. And you're going to wake up in the morning feeling very, very proud of yourself that you yeah. did so. Yeah, you And will once do. you've done it once, you can do it again. And it will get easier. And it will get easier. Oh, yeah. It will get easier. There will sometimes be some hard ones that come in there. Yeah, so some don't surprise count as ones. Yeah. But I think each time you do it, you're building another layer to your, your sobriety Definitely. journey and it's yeah. making you stronger and better prepared. Yeah. My toolkit consists of, you know, having food in the cupboard that feels like a treat. Mm. Love a chocolate yeah. pretzel. Or some nice tea bags. Always. Lovely tea bags, a nibble on a cheese, a party sausage, or a plate full of roasted <laughs> kale chips, which Lucy cooked for me once, which were lovely, which oh, I cook yeah. now. Yeah. Um, whatever you like, it makes you feel cosy. Whatever works. Yeah, um, and as long as it's not illegal, it doesn't matter. Just have it. Exactly. And just do something like go to the shops and buy yourself a new pair of jeans or go to the cinema or just take yourself mm. away from that situation. Spend the money you've saved on not drinking, on doing something fun. I'm actually saving to do a paddy course, um, oh, a dive really? course. Yeah, yeah that's because, great fun. I've done that. Yeah, it's really good. And it was something I would never do or have done when I was a drinker because I would have always been hungover and it, I just couldn't imagine. I was scared of having a panic attack underwater. But now I'm sober, I'm confident enough to do the things that I have never done in my life before. So I'm saving money now to do that at Christmas. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> <laughs> what? I was just thinking about my paddy course. I accidentally got drunk and snogged the instructor. Oh, yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all, Lucy. Yeah. They're usually quite fit, though. The they are. Actually, that's the only reason I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my husband. 
have calming strategies in place as well, like candles, bath, incense, and think about what makes you happy. What are some things that make you happy outside of alcohol? Do you have access to them in that sort of crisis feeling? Distraction is key. Kettle on, walk, scream in a pillow, eat a carrot, have an AF alternative like we talked about earlier. Call someone, email me, I don't care. Meditation course on Cuppa, there's one on there at the moment. Watch reality TV, Selling Sunset. Have you seen that, Lucy? No. It's awful. It's perfect, like, brain-dead oh, television. I think I might have seen it advertised. All the yeah. women just go, look at you, yeah. look at you, you look amazing, look at you. It's really weird. <laughs> Exercise, I've put stroke a guinea pig, whatever it takes. Yeah. Just one thing, remember to do that one thing, and it won't seem so overwhelming. And also, don't focus on forever. It, it feels in those moments very stressful and that you can't do forever. You have to sit with the feeling and let it pass. Breathe it out. Deep breathing brings deep thinking and shallow breathing brings shallow thinking. So breathe deep and wait for the moment to pass. I think that's really true. Yeah. You really can't sit breathing through your nose, Lucy. So I will breathe through my mouth because I'm a mouth breather like the whale. And I think breathing deeply really does help. Even generally in my life, yeah. I think I breathe too shallow. Mm. And when I do take a deep breath, I realise that I've been breathing shallow yeah. all day. And it really does relax it me. Calms and really, you down, it really down. really yeah. does, yeah. And you also have to remember that, of course, cravings are a natural symptom of addiction. So don't beat yourself up because that will make you drink. Change tack, change environment, you know, change friends if you have to. Change your life if the places you are going are causing cravings or or you're, they're causing you to fantasise. Cravings will lessen, so you need to have your toolbox ready and whack, to whack a nail in that bloody craving before it makes a big hole in your sobriety. Yeah. So what we're saying is these are the things that Lucy and I do to make sure that we've got something at hand, a tool, whether it's mental or physical or some food or whatever, that we know is going to help us in those moments because you've got to expect them and accept them. That's what mm -hmm. we keep talking about. Accept the fantasy is going to come and have the tools ready to deal with it. And know it's a fantasy. Yeah, it's not real. It's not real. It's just you telling yourself you want to do something where in fact you don't want to. It's the sort of past history of your brain yes, coming up. exactly. That's a very clear way of saying yeah. it, Lucy. It's your past self. It is a past, a part of your brain that is still sort of practised to drink and it, it's, it's sending you messages to say you still want it so you kind of just have to shut that down. Mm, exactly. Okay, so we've got some tips. Um, know that cravings are normal and can happen however long you've been sober for. They don't have to be a bad thing. They're just part of recovery. Wanting to join in the toast with a glass of champers at your mate's wedding is perfectly normal. Not being able to can feel shit. Yep. And you are justified in feeling that way. Feel shit for a bit, then let it go like Elsa. Let it go. Yeah. Feeling shit for a bit. I mean, it's not the end of the world, is no, it's it? it's not. No. Yeah, it's exactly right. Just I mean, feel I shit think that's the thing we're so used to whenever we feel shit picking up a drink. Yeah. And that's weak, isn't it? Yeah. Not I, picking up the drink is strong. Yes. Remember, you are strong. Yeah. That is, it's the, it's the stronger thing to do. Mm. Yeah. Just because you are suddenly having an overwhelming urge for booze doesn't take your sober life away from you, the one that you've created. Your sober world is still here and it's bloody marvellous and it's actually what will get you through those moments when you think about having a drink. Think of getting through a craving unscathed as an added protective layer to your sobriety. So that's what Lucy was saying about writing it down. You know you can do it. You know the tools. So... It, 
every time you do it, you're adding another protective layer to your sobriety and you can get it down pat. Yeah, you're getting stronger every time. Um, If you've been listening properly, and we hope you have, you'll now know that a craving is a mental and physical mix of horribleness. Yes. (laughs) It's like the Queen. What's that? Anis Horribilis or something. (laughs) Something to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) What it isn't is you being weak and not being able to overcome your infatuation with booze. There are things going on in your brain and body that are making you feel like you need a drink. Know that this is what you're up against and give yourself some credit that you've made it through. Yeah, definitely give yourself credit. We've told you how we handle the need for a drink. Help yourself to our ideas as well as finding your own tools, whether it's getting a mate to restrain you from heading to the nearest bar or knitting a scarf from here to Timbuktu. Just do it. Like Nike. Yeah. Um, it's unexpected, uncomfortable and even confusing when we crave a drink after months or years without. Our neurological pathways and memories are conditioned to respond with cravings, but our brains will continue to rewire themselves with a little planning, patience and time. We just have to give recovery a chance. By identifying your cues and triggers, you can begin to predict, prepare for and act against a large subset of triggers. For the cues that are unpredictable, you can still use your list of calming strategies to refocus your energy away from the temporary discomfort. It's important to know your cravings will always be brief unless you act upon them. If you can acknowledge your feelings and allow them to harmlessly rise and fade, then you have little to fear. Yeah, and remember, a craving is just a feeling. Get your toolbox prepped. Go to Coles and buy some chocolate, put your running shoes near the front door and have a sober mate's number on speed dial. Play the tape forward and just do whatever it takes. And if that doesn't work, just do one thing. Do not put a drink to your lips. That is it. Do you want to do the quote, Lucy? Oh, yes. I'd be honoured. Excellent. So the quotes from Christopher Ferry, whoever he is. I was going to say, who's that? Have <laughs> I, I missed know. something? I tend to miss that, I don't know. Uh, knowing who these important he's people the, are. He's the captain of the cross-channel ferry between <laughs> France and Dover. Is he really? Yeah, Christopher Ferry. i tell you who he is. He's the person who wrote this quote. He is, well done. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, and it's a good one actually, the regret of drinking alcohol will last much longer than the temporary craving you have to drink it. Yes, so Which true. Which is true. Yep, so true. I just wanted to end the podcast with an analogy by William Porter because we started with one and his scientific brain and how mm-hmm. he explains cravings is just it is life-changing mm-hmm. for most people who read that book. So it's from Alcohol Explained. If you haven't read it already, that would be a, we've already recommended that book a million times but we're doing it again because if you have a science brain like Lucy and I, I think we like to have things explained, don't we? Here it is. When you get a craving, you don't need to use a gimmick or con yourself or suffer it or give in to it. Just look at the actual reality of it. Think of a sexual fantasy. For example, you may look at someone at work and fantasise about sleeping with them. I know we do with that with Alan, don't we, Lucy? (laughs) God, did you know? Could you tell? I was leering at (laughs) him. Yes, you're leering out of of the booth. I wondered what you were doing. Looking longingly at Alan. Yeah. But if they made a pass at you, you'd run a mile (laughs) because you would no way betray your partner if you had one, of course, hurt them and risk losing them and your children. You may not have children or a partner, but I hope you can still appreciate that analogy. So it's basically like you're having a fantasy about someone 
but you know it's not real. Yeah. It's just that fantasy. Yeah, it's just learning that it's not real. Like I, you know, you could think someone's good looking that's passing you on the street, and you can fantasize about them, but you still know it's not going to yes, happen. Exactly. So it's the same yeah. as drinking, isn't it? Exactly the same. Yeah. So definitely recommend alcohol. Mm. Explain to you guys. Yeah, it's an excellent book. Yeah, definitely. I'm, worth I'm also going to mention quickly. I'm planning a sober women's weekend weekend away, which is going to be in October. So go on. It's it's just a chill out weekend just for women, um, and it's going to be the weekend of the seventh to the ninth. Go on to couple events if you want to come. It's going to be three hundred and fifteen dollars for the whole weekend. Where is it? It's going to be in the Noosa hinterland somewhere. But I'm too oh, scared lovely. to book the accommodation until I've been paid. So get on and give me some money. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I might get a bad review, mightn't I? Oh, no. Yeah, I don't want to get a bad oh, review on my God. Airbnb. Oh, no. It'd be disastrous, Lucy. Oh, you're going to have it in... Oh, not in my Airbnb. Oh, you... no, okay. No, no. All right. Well, I'll have to go on myself and have a look. You pay... Yeah, you have to come. We'll drag you out, Lucy. Drag her out. Yeah, drag her out. Wheel her out. Wheel her out for a special <laughs> occasion. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I hope that's helped you, everybody out there, to understand your cravings a yeah. little bit more and expect them and accept them. That's our real message to yeah. you today. And yeah, we're here next week. Oh, two weeks probably, Lucy, aren't we? Two weeks, school, yeah. school holidays coming up as well. So we'll look forward to uh, having another chat then. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstockmums.com.au. Finally, if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing, Lucy. No,